Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Brewers are back tonight. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, my God, I need it. I need a Brewer game to watch tonight. 7-10 first pitch. They start a weekend series with the Giants as now the team's kind of starting to get rolling after the All-Star break. I think there was one American League game last night just because, I guess, in a couple of afternoon games today, the Cubs uh, and the Pirates playing this afternoon. Brewers get back into action tonight as the second half of their season starts. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Grandal, Moustakis, Braun, Thames, Hira, Arcia, Anderson. That will be the uh, the lineup that they run out there to start off the second half. And I do want to talk Brewers today, specifically right at the end of the show. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, though. It, it is the All-Star break, which means this week we've been kind of bouncing around. We've been talking about some different sports, some different athletes, some different topics that normally we wouldn't talk about. We talked soccer on Monday. We talked wrestling on Tuesday. We talked uh, roller derby, the Mississippi Valley Mayhem yesterday. Remember, they have two bouts this weekend at the Omni Center, one on Saturday night, one on Sunday morning. So lots of opportunities to see the Mayhem as they close out uh, close out their season this weekend. We've covered it all this week. Today, we're, we're going to kind of bring it back closer to home. This is the Wisco Sports Show. After all, we talk about Wisconsin sports. I want to talk about the Packers. They have their shareholder meeting. A lot of interesting little nuggets. Now, I'm not going to sit here... Uh, and read receipts and expense statements and talk about, oh, the Packers spent this much here. and this. I don't care. I'm not, a, I'm not a business person, right? I'm not a business major at UWL. It's just not my thing. We are sports fans. We're not fans of the front office and the way that they conduct their business and the way they spend and make money. That's not the emphasis of the shareholders meeting. Some things Mark Murphy had to say uh, about the NFL and, and their proposals to make the regular season longer are interesting, uh, a couple interesting nuggets, let's say, from the shareholders meeting and from what the NFL has been saying the last couple of weeks uh, about some possible changes coming up in the next collective bargaining agreement, which is going to, uh, it, it might rock uh, the sports world as the NFL Players Association and uh, and the NFL owners collide uh, over lots of things. Uh, the schedule, uh, injury settlements is a lot of money was paid out uh, via injury settlements this last year. A lot of topics. We'll cover a few of them, especially the ones that came up at the Packers shareholder meeting. Right now, I kind of wanted to put a period at the end of uh, our sentence regarding NBA free agency. So NBA free agency got underway last Monday. Well, well, technically Sunday night. It was Sunday night at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central. So here in Wisconsin, free agency opened at 5 o'clock. If you'll remember... Uh, the Bucks elected to trade away Malcolm Brogdon to the Pacers for a couple of picks, of which they don't have very money. So it was nice to to kind of replenish uh, the, the 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 draft a little bit, so the the Bucks will have a little bit more uh, freedom to either trade those picks or try to keep some young talent coming into the system. So Malcolm Brogdon, four years, eighty six million. Bucks said no, thank you. Instead, they bring back Chris Middleton, they bring back Brook Lopez, George Hill. And instead, they bring in Robin Lopez, Wesley Matthews. They signed Thanasis Antetokounmpo. So, so the Bucks' flurry of free agency moves uh, finished up earlier this week, especially with Giannis' brother. This year, NBA free agency was so wild, we are still feeling lasting effects almost two weeks later. And don't get me wrong, they're, they're veteran players and they're, they're role players who will sit on the market for a while, but they're not going to create headlines. 
Today, or last night specifically, the NBA created headlines. Russell Westbrook was traded to the Houston Rockets. Now, free agency hit the thunder hard. It it took Paul George from them, not via free agency, uh, but through a trade. Kawhi Leonard saying, okay, Clippers, I'll sign with you in free agency, but you got to get me another star. So they to go to Oklahoma City and say, we want Paul George, we'll trade for him. And that started the wheels of rebuilding for the Thunder. uh, And that ended with Russell Westbrook being traded yesterday to the Houston Rockets. And that's what I heard today being talked about as I was flipping through the channels. WKTY or Fox Sports Radio, CBS Sports Radio, whatever. That was the topic of the day. Russell Westbrook with James Harden on the Houston Rockets. As now the Thunder have gone full rebuild. Just uh, less than a decade after having Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden on the same team. What an interesting storyline. So Russell Westbrook, James Harden are now on the same team. And if you were listening to sports radio today, you would have heard one thing over and over and over again. These are two ball-dominant players. There's only one basketball. How are they going to make it work? I don't know. I heard a lot of opinions today. I'm skeptical because, let's be real, Russell Westbrook hasn't worked in the sense of winning a championship with any player that he's played alongside. Now, they got close with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is... Not only a tremendous player and an all-time great, but his game allows him to basically fit with anyone, right? He can go down low because of his size, but he's also such a great shooter. He can really fit next to anyone. Now, they got close with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. Then they trade away James Harden. They got close again. They were up 3-2 to in the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors. They couldn't get it done. And now we've seen it with just Russell Westbrook. That didn't work. We saw Russell Westbrook with Paul George. That Kind of worked, but definitely not in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook really hasn't been able to fit in the sense of winning a championship with any other player he's been with. So I think there's some some healthy and some expected hesitance when talking about Russell Westbrook trying to play with James Harden. Here's what I find interesting. The crowd who claims, well, there's only one basketball. How are they going to make it work? And if you're not familiar with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, both of which have won MVPs in the last couple of years, They're kind of a one-on-one solo show, right? Now, Russell Westbrook has averaged a triple-double. He is a decent passer. He is a good rebounder just because he's so athletic. But the reason why he gets all those statistics, why he piles up all those stats, is because he always has the ball in his hand, right? James Harden is is a transcendent offensive player. One of the best, if not the best, I have ever seen. Remember, I didn't live through Michael Jordan. But part of that is because he always has the ball in his hand, right? That's the reason why he's scoring 36, 37 points a game is because he always has the ball. These two players are used to controlling the ball for a large portion of the 48 minutes of a basketball game, right? And a lot of people have a problem with that. A lot of people are saying, well, there's only one ball. How are they going to make it work? On the contrary, I would argue if it's going to work, it's because there's only one basketball. Stick with me. Why have the Thunder, why have the Rockets been eliminated in the playoffs earlier than most people think should have the last couple of years. It's because James Harden has run out of gas. He was carrying his team the entire regular season. Why Why did the Thunder lose? Well, Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple-double. He's carrying his team on his back, and by the time they get to the playoffs, the second and third round, they're out of gas. They have nothing left. If there is an argument for the Rockets to win and win at a high level, be championship contenders, it's because there's only one basketball, and on some possessions... All right, James, you run the show. All right, on a couple possessions later, James, you get a breather. Let Russ go to work. 
these two players hopefully can take a little bit of the pressure off each other. Oh, and by the way, the rest of that starting lineup isn't bad either. Clint Capella is as long and athletic as you can get at the center. And then Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker are, are two of the best 3 and D guys in the league. They'll fit with anybody, right? They shoot threes, and they play really good defense. They'll fit. It does not matter who you put P.J. Tucker next to or who you put Eric Gordon next to. They're going to be effective because their games blend so seamlessly. So I know there's only one basketball, and I know that James Harden, I know that Russell Westbrook are so used to having the ball in their hand and running the show, but if those two players are willing to say, look, we have been trying to carry our team. We've been trying to do it ourselves for the last couple of years, and it hasn't worked. What if we take a little bit of a step back? We've both won MVPs. We've both, Russell Westbrook's averaged a triple-double. James Harden has been on an offensive stretch unlike anything we've seen, certainly uh, in this recent era. They've done all they can do except win a championship. So if those two players, those two guards, ball-dominant guards, are willing to say, I don't want to be out of energy in the playoffs this year. I don't want to run out of gas. Russell, you take a couple of possessions, and I'll take a couple of possessions. And we'll do this as a tandem. We'll do this as a duo. I think it could work. I think it could also be a huge catastrophe. Because maybe both of the players say, screw you, this is my team. I'm better, and I'm going to go get mine, and you just stand and watch. It could also go that way. Either way, that kind of puts a period, the end, uh, until next time, at the end of this period of NBA free agency, uh, of which was so crazy through 14 days, or more like 10 days now. It was so crazy that there was actually aftershock. Like a big earthquake will have an aftershock. This free agency was so divisive and destructive for some franchises and some teams. We're still feeling the effects through trades days later. That's a lot of fun. That's wild. That's an interesting story to follow. Houston Rockets should be an interesting team. Much like the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, we've been talking about the Bucks as well. They had a relatively quiet free agency period just because they retained all their guys. Mission accomplished, right? 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. And if you want to jump in on the show with a text or a call, you can do so. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, Twitter's wide open at Keystroker Grant. At WKTY, this is the Wisco Sports Show, so we're going to get into some Wisconsin topics. I want to talk Packers. I want to talk the shareholders meeting, and I won't bore you with numbers or, or figures or trends because I don't understand them either, so I'm not going to try to talk about them. Uh, and the NFL also wants to expand the schedule, and they have some ideas on how to get it done. And it's pretty interesting. I think it's fascinating what the NFL appears to be willing to do uh, to get a couple more regular season games. We'll talk some football. We'll talk about all that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Today was the Packers annual shareholder meeting. Packers fans and uh, and some of us at WKTY trying to have some fun with it today. You know, good, lighthearted fun. Some Vikings fans stepped in and, and tried to rain on that parade. What's new? This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to talk NFL. And before we say goodbye for the weekend, we're going to talk Brewers as well. They get back in action tonight. Today was the annual shareholder meeting. And if you follow WKTY on Twitter, which you should, at WKTY, you would have seen a, a, a picture posted on Twitter and a tweet of Dave holding, uh, well, I, I believe Scrady foraged uh, a, a Packers owner stock certificate. I think Scrady did. Are you ready for some football? Oh, I haven't heard that in a while. It feels good. Yeah, Scrady, Scrady's all about 
uh, football, and it looks like, yes, this morning, uh, Dapper Dave C, you can find Dave Carney on Twitter, uh, tweeted a picture. <laughs> I love waking up to this. So can at Scrady WKTY be charged with any sort of crime for forging this Packers stock certificate? And it is Dave holding. I mean, Scrady, if you're going to forge a legal document, you got to do a better job than this. You should go check out this tweet at Dapper Dave C uh, on Twitter, or you can find it at WKTY as well. So some good lighthearted fun. It's shareholder meeting day. All right. This is a, this is an important day as Packer fans. Uh, and a fun day as Packer fans because this is a day where we get to hang our hat on the fact that we're a publicly owned company as much as a sports team can be publicly owned. But of course, Vikings fans just couldn't it just couldn't sit idly by. I'm reading replies on these tweets. You know, not real, right? You don't actually own the team. Get out of here. You know, Vikings fans, you do this. And if you're a, a fan of the Vikings who's listening to the show, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the the hooligans we have on Twitter. You know how much stuff, you know how much annoying stuff us Packers fans try to let go? Your obnoxious horn that sounds like a sinking cruise ship or the fact that your fans love to cheer injuries and still, for whatever reason, uh, after the last two years of which the highlight was making the NFC Championship game, most of you consider uh, the highlight of the last five years Aaron Rodgers getting injured. You know, I try to let that go. I don't bring it up, although I guess that's what I'm doing now. Let your saltiness just, just stay off of our Twitter and our Twitter mentions. Do you know who it's not a real stock? Well, it kind of is. Just let it be fun. Just let it go. You Vikings fans, man, you just you just love to poop on the Packers. You just love to do it. Why can't we enjoy our own teams uh, and, and keep the hate to the side? Is that too much to ask? Today was a big day for us. It was the it was the annual shareholder meeting, uh, and I, I don't want to get into financials. I don't want to get into spreadsheets or Microsoft Excel and, and, and dividends and, and all that crap or whatever business majors and, and business people talk about. There were some financials released, and, and maybe we'll talk a little. The most important thing that I'm interested in, what I want to talk about, is international games. Are the Packers going to London? If so, what's the deal? If not, why not? And also the length of the season, because right now the NFL, or, or at least the NFL and their owners, are posturing for an 18-game regular season. What does Mark Murphy have to say about that? What does the board of directors have to say about that? Those are the things I'm interested in, okay? And and a lot of that was discussed at the shareholder meeting today. Okay, so the Packers, uh, something that was reported by Bill Huber, who writes for 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, uh, reported that the Packers made $8.4 million this year, their net income, right, of 8.4, but they actually only profited just under $725,000, which is quite small, okay? And when you think about it this way, the past several years for the Packers have turned up a profit of no less than $25 million. That's quite the difference, isn't it? $724,000 to $25 million. So Mark Murphy doing a little bit of explaining. Not that I, I don't care. I don't care how much money the Packers... As long as the Packers exist and can function as an NFL franchise, I don't care if our owners or our board of directors or, or whatever... Mark Murphy, I don't care if they're making that much money. That's not why I watch sports. I, I don't cheer when the ownership gets richer, okay? That would be quite a lame bit of sports fandom, don't you think? So revenues drop slightly, and the Packers had a lot of expenses this year. And this is this is something interesting that I really don't think about all that often. I don't think about where the Packers have to spend money other than player contracts and things like that. Mark Murphy cited a couple of reasons uh, for the drop. Player contracts, I mean, you got to remember, they they locked up Aaron Rodgers, so you're going to take a hit there. You, they signed a handful of free agents, 
uh, high-priced free agents this year in free agency. Now, they got to pay out Mike McCarthy's contract because coaching contracts, for the most part, are guaranteed, unlike most player contracts. So they got to pay out the rest of Mike McCarthy's money. And apparently, there were extra expenses relating to the team's 100-year celebration because it was the 100th year for the Green Bay Packers this last year. So all those expenses mean the Packers profit just a little bit less this year. And, and Packers profit, the money that they make, certainly affects whether or not, in my opinion, whether or not they will play overseas or in Mexico. The Packers do not, do not want to give up a home game to go play in London. I know the sentiment is there from Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, we'd love to play overseas. We have lots of fans in Europe, and the Packers fans are everywhere, and we'd love to see them. But back in Green Bay, Mark Murphy's going, "Uh uh-uh. Unless you want to take away one of our road games, all right. But we get eight home games at Lambeau Field, and that is not up for debate, which is why the Packers are one of the few teams so far to not have crossed the ocean to play a game in London. And if the Packers aren't making that much money, which last year they didn't, I don't think they're going to be even more willing to go play overseas and lose out on more of that home game money, right? That just wouldn't make any sense. That's what I'm trying to glean from this annual ownership meeting, right? This, the shareholder meeting with what Mark Murphy has to say. Are the Packers going to be playing in Europe? And is the schedule going to change? That's been what's most interesting to me about this uh, this offseason for the NFL is it sounds like the owners, it sounds like the higher-ups and the brass of the NFL want to go to 18 games, which obviously makes sense. More games, more money. You don't need to, you don't need to have a calculus degree in order to do that math, right? I find it interesting, Mark Murphy talking a little bit about whether or not he would be okay with an 18-game regular season, whether he would like that or not. So this is what he said today. This is reported by Darren Ravel of the Action Network, who's more of a sports business reporter. Says, what we do know is our current preseason is not a good product. Our players don't need four games, and it seems like fewer starters are playing in them. Maybe another way to do this is to add one neutral site game and one international for every team so we can use this to grow the game. Now, and this is a point of contention today, I don't know if Mark Murphy means take two of those preseason games and make one international and one a neutral site. I don't know if that's what he's saying or if he's saying get rid of the preseason and add two games to the regular season, making it 18 games, and just play two of them in interesting places, for lack of a better word, right? Play a game in London, and let's play a neutral site game in Canada, or let's play a neutral site game in Mexico, like the NFL was supposed to do last year. The Packers do have a preseason game in Canada. Either way, Mark Murphy knows the preseason isn't good, and if you want to grow the game through international games or neutral site games, he's all for it. If we're adding games, let's make them worth our while, try to grow our audience, right? The interesting thing is, apparently, a couple of years ago, Mark Murphy talking on that 18-game season, this has obviously been an idea that's been floated for a while, Mark Murphy said, on the 18-game season, with the concerns about health and safety, we can't justify increasing the season. Now, that was in an interview with Peter King in 2016. So maybe Mark Murphy starting to change his tune, or maybe it's just that you can glean whatever you want to from some of these quotes. I'm not going to dig through an oral history of Mark Murphy and his willingness or lack thereof to propose an 18-game regular season. That's not what I'm here to do. But at some point, and it's sooner rather than later now that the collective bargaining agreement is going to be up here within a year or two, these are issues that are going to have to be broached through the NFL Players Association and through the NFL ownership and through the front office, right, with Roger Goodell and, and all of his underlings. 
That's one of many topics that's going to have to be broached. What means the most to owners, right? Because you know the owners are going to have a lot of demands, and so are the players and their union. You can't get it all. You're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to give up something to get something. How important, how vital, how necessary does the NFL think an 18-game regular season is to turn a profit, to improve the PR in the league? Because public relations matter. Optics matter, right? 18-game regular season. Now, the NFL is so set on it right now, and they're getting more serious and serious, that they've actually thrown out some proposals saying, okay, we'll, we'll go to 18 regular season games, but we'll do this to make up for it, or, or we'll add in an extra bye week, or we'll do this, we'll do that. The NFL, throwing some ideas out there. We'll talk about those. And if you want to chime in on Mark Murphy, on the Packers, maybe you're a shareholder. You were at the meeting. You want to report what you've learned as a Packer owner. Don't let the Vikings fans, don't let their hate slow you down. You are an owner of a professional sports team, and I'd love to hear from you. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Talking the NFL and changes they want to make to the schedule and how they are willing to make those changes happen, make those changes possible. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers back in action tonight, 7-10 first pitch here on WKTY. Brewers talk on the way in about 12 minutes. We're going to be joined as well by Hunter Baumgart, one of my esteemed colleagues here at WKTY. I'm actually going on vacation next week, and as much as I love talking sports, talking Wisconsin sports each and every day. God, I'm excited to go on vacation this weekend and into next week. So Hunter is taking over for next week. We'll talk to him uh, about some brewers and about uh, the next stretch because it's it's kind of packed in there post-All-Star break up until that trade deadline. And, and the, the trade deadline this year is going to be the only means of acquiring outside talent. There isn't a, a waiver deadline or whatever the heck. I, I'm not going to pretend to understand. I knew what the other deadlines were. I'm glad they're gone. After July 31st, that's it. Done. Boom. Point of no return. Kind of a small window starting tonight on the 12th to the 31st. The Brewers are going to have to make some uh, some difficult decisions. We'll talk about that with Hunter. Uh, and as they start their, their weekend set with the Giants as well, getting back into action after the All-Star break. Right now, we're talking Packers. We're talking NFL. And you're welcome to join 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. The NFL, it seems as though there's always been rumors and there's always been interest in expanding the regular season and and why wouldn't be it's a business okay if you are a restaurant if you're a store if you're a bar and you are rolling in the money every time you open your doors people rush in and you're slammed you might say hey maybe we should open on Tuesday nights right maybe we should expand our hours because we're slammed for every minute we're open let's let's expand right it's the NFL it's the same thing it's a money-printing factory. People love watching these games. They always outrank every other sport. Why not add more games, right? It's a business decision. Well, it sounds like it's getting more and more serious, okay? Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal, which is interesting, not an ESPN reporter, uh, not a sports reporter, but a Wall Street Journal reporter, reporting that the NFL's push for 18 regular season games is getting more serious and the league has advanced the possibility of an 18-game season with a per-player limit of 16 games per year. Yes, 
You heard that correctly. The NFL has advanced the possibility. It's It's been serious. It's not just some weird idea that was thrown out in a conference room. This is something they've thought about. An 18-game regular season, but each player is only eligible for 16 of those games. Now, that's interesting. That's some problem solving. Because the NFL realizes the optics of the situation, of their fans, of the media. The PR behind an 18-game regular season would be brutal, okay? Especially if they continue at the same pace with these Thursday night games. Because that's where the NFL has really taken a hit. Now, people are still going to watch. Like, the games are still going to make money. But the discussion surrounding the NFL is, how can they run players out there on Thursday night after taking a beating on Sunday? Right, the head injuries, the the wear and tear on these players is unfair. And we're seeing injuries uh, more and more often. Somebody hurts their knee on Thursday night. What's the reaction? Oh my God, the NFL, I can't believe they're running them out there. I can't believe they're forcing these players to play on, on four nights rest. This is so unfair. Right, it's a slave owner mentality. The NFL is 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 it's a monolith and it needs to be taken down. Like that's the PR currently in a 16 game regular season, especially with the Thursday night games. I think if the Thursday night games went away, it might be it might be a little bit easier. But the NFL realizes that if they go to an 18 game regular season game, just out of cut and dry, we're extending the season. The PR would be horrible because the first injury you would have The first injury, the first big injury to a big player that's going to put him out for the rest of the year, you know the talking heads on ESPN, on Fox Sports 1, on CBS, and Fox Sports Radio. They're going to say, this is the NFL's fault. They wanted more games, and this is what you're going to get. Players are going to receive more wear and tear on their body, more time working out, less time to recover, and this is what you're going to get. You're going to get your stars injured, and this product is something no one wants, right? Like, I'm already writing the script. None of this has happened yet, and I already know how it's going to be received. The NFL, realizing that, they're not dumb most of the time. And they're saying, okay, well, you can only play 16 games. So they are essentially doing what the NBA does with some players, like the Raptors this year. They rested Kawhi Leonard for 20 games under load management, right? We want to give him rest. Well, the NFL is saying, well, we'll do it for you. You need to sit out two games. Okay, and and it's going to receive hate. It's going to receive backlash because when those injuries come, and they will because it's a contact sport, and these are big, strong, fast athletes. We don't know if the injuries are going to be because of the extra regular season games or if it's just happenstance, but they're certainly going to be blamed on the extra games, right? And people just, people like to hate on things bigger than themselves. The NFL is the biggest, the richest, the most popular, and the most powerful sports league in the country, so they receive hate for whatever they do. Right, And that's just human nature, right? That's what we do. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton could say she is, is, is adopting 30 puppies so they escape euthanization in a shelter. And yes, people on the right side would be upset. That's just the way that it is. We like to hate on things that are bigger and better and wealthier than us. Joe Buck, Joe Buck's another great example. Joe Buck might be the best broadcaster in the business. Last year, there was a stretch where he was doing the World Series. He was doing games on Sunday. He was doing games on Thursday night. He was flying all over the country, having to prepare for all of these games, having to broadcast all these games. He is an excellent broadcaster. People hate him. Why? Because he's the guy. He's the number one guy. His dad was Jack Buck. He's Joe Buck. He is the number one guy on Fox, and he does all the games. So we hate on him. It's the same thing with the NFL. If they go to 18 regular season games, the reaction will probably not be, yes, more football. It will probably be, man, the injuries are going to be bad. Man, this is going to make the CBA in a year. That's going to be a big deal, right? 
That's just how people react. Now, as a fan, as somebody who likes to watch football, I honestly don't know how I feel about an 18-game regular season. I don't. The advantage would obviously be more football. I think all football fans can get behind that, right? More football is is good. But one thing the NFL has going for it that other sports don't is urgency, right? When you listen to sports radio, pay attention to the topics, right? During football season, sports radio people are talking about football games. The Packers lost yesterday. Aaron Jones ran for this many yards, but Aaron Rodgers threw an interception or the defense couldn't get it done. They're breaking down games, right? Peter King, Greg Cosell, these are guys who break down film, break down plays. People eat that up on TV, right? When they talk about NBA on sports TV and sports radio, what do they talk about? They don't talk about games. They talk about free agency. They talk about the trade deadline. They talk about rumors, right? Because there's 82 regular season games. There's just no urgency. The games don't mean as much as each of the NFL's regular season 16 games. The NFL has urgency on its side. Why are you going to watch football on Sundays? Because you have to. Because if you don't, you're going to have to wait until next Sunday. And one game could be the difference between making the playoffs or missing out on the playoffs, or a wild card, or a division win, or a high seed, or a low seed. Every game means something. It's the same in college football. Maybe even more so in college football, because that's the way the selection committee operates, right? Urgency is huge, and the NFL has urgency. That's something the NBA doesn't have. Certainly something that baseball doesn't have. Hockey doesn't have it. That's the NFL's thing. And if you inflate and you dilute the product, less every game means less, There are more games, yeah, but they all mean less. You lose some of that urgency, and I don't know if that's good. That 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 might fans might not feel the need to tune in on week three because they know, well, we got 18 of these. 16, well, there's only 16 regular season games. Okay, well, if there's two bye weeks, which they'd probably add if they go to 18 regular season games, and then and players can only play in 16, well, okay, maybe I can take this Thursday off because I'll I'll just watch uh, next week, right? There's there's less urgency. That being said, football is football, and Americans will always watch football. That's the that's the quote of the day, right? I'm going to tweet that out. Football is football, and Americans will always watch football. Thank you very much. Quote that. That's the quote of the day, quote of the show, uh, before we start the weekend. Football is football, and Americans will always watch football. Even when the NBA is at its peak, and I think it's very close to peaking right now, is it, at least in my lifetime, More superstars than ever before. Players are more empowered than ever before. There are more good teams than ever before. And they still get clobbered by football. It's just the way that it is. That's the sports landscape in the United States of America. We will always watch football. The one thing that will discourage me from watching football is if I have to watch a backup quarterback. I'll watch Jimmy Garoppolo play Matt Stafford on a Thursday night. I won't watch Nick Mullins play Matt Stafford on a Thursday night. Nobody wants to watch that. A per-player limit of 16 games per year, meaning every player has to sit out two games at some point, means there's more backup quarterbacks playing. And that's the one thing the NFL cannot have. Like, you cannot have backup incompetent quarterbacks playing on the field. So I think they they would need to make some, some asterisk, some clause, if they were to go to 18 games with a limit of 16 games for the quarterback, for the punter, for the kicker, 
Because nobody wants to keep two kickers. Nobody wants to keep two punters. Nobody wants to watch backup quarterbacks play. But it just goes to show you that that's how important an 18-game regular season is to the NFL. They want it so bad, they're willing to say, all right, each player can only play 16 times, which means Odell Beckham is missing two games a year. Aaron Rodgers missing two games a year, right? J.J. Watt missing two games a year on top of the games they might already be missing with injury. That's a that's a big deal. That's a, that's a big offering by the NFL to say, okay, well, Aaron Rodgers, you only have to play 16 of the games. We'll have 18, but you only have to play 16. That goes to show how important it is. Or the other side of the sword, and, and I was talking to a, a coworker before the show starts about uh, this whole scheduling uh, story. Maybe the NFL doesn't want it at all, and they're only bringing it up so it's something they can use as a bargaining chip uh, in, in negotiations next year. Think about that, right? The NFL's really, really uh, got their brains turning if that's the case. Imagine sitting down with, with labor, uh, with the union leaders next year to, to organize, and, and the NFL saying, oh, okay, well, we won't do 18 games a year. <laughs> We're never going to do it anyway. <laughs> we won't do 18 games, games a year, but, but here we'll give you this, right? That would, be a, that would be a hell of a play, and I'd have to give it up to the NFL if that's the case, if they're only throwing this out there to use it in negotiations and they're not serious about it at all. I think they are serious, but that's a hilarious way to think about it as well. The NFL cannot come back soon enough. We're going to be talking training camp. We're going to be talking preseason before you know it. Man, oh man. We're talking Brewers because they are back tonight. We don't have to wait. 7-10 first pitch. We're going to be joined by Hunter Baumgart, who's going to be handling the Wisco Sports Show next week as I go on vacation. Talk a little bit of Brewers as they come out of the All-Star break. And maybe how they might approach the trade deadline. We'll talk about all that as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week. Coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Brewers are finally back. I need it. I need Brewers baseball after this week. I know the All-Star break is fun. I miss having a game every day. They're back in action tonight. 7-10 first pitch here on WKTY. And to discuss it, to talk about it, one of my esteemed co-workers here at WKTY, Hunter Baumgart, he's going to be filling in next week as I go on vacation. Hunter, what's up today? Yeah, not too much, not too much. Uh, I'm, see, I'm not a big fan of this hot weather. I, I don't think you are either, right? No, so I, we can kind of we can, we can agree that we don't love the heat. No, I, I'm actually going out west uh, this weekend, and I'm hoping for some cooler weather. I was not a fan this week. Yeah. Uh, this week was a drag. I'm definitely with you, especially with no Brewers baseball. I enjoyed, right. like, I enjoy the All Star game. Did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? I mean, it, it is what it is. It's entertainment when when just about nothing else is on. Right, exactly. What I loved actually about the All Star Game was like the when they mic the players. That yeah. was my that was my favorite part. You know, you just get to hear kind of what they're thinking every pitch and why they're thinking it, and kind of the behind the scenes stuff. Because I just love the thinking part of baseball. But yeah, that was kind of my favorite part of the week. But otherwise, yeah. Back to Brewers baseball, and boy, we have to buckle up for quite a second half here. So, Hunter, something that I was talking about earlier this week, I think the week going into the All-Star break and the week or two coming out of the All-Star break, I I think that's one of the most important stretches in the entire season, especially this year with only one trade deadline, that at the end of July. Now, the Brewers have a stretch of games uh, against the, the Giants. They also have the Reds, they have the Diamondbacks, and they have the Braves. Before that off day, and then they start a series with the Cubs on the 26th. That's 13 games. I think this is the biggest 13-game stretch 
of their season because they have to figure out whether they're going to be big buyers, big sellers, whether they're going to hold Pat. What do you need to see from the Brewers before the trade deadline? Or for me, I'm putting that deadline right at the 25th, which is an off game right before the Cubs series. What do you need to see? Yeah, well, I'd like for them to win every series. I mean, they've lost. Yes. Just, they've just lost too many series going into the All-Star break. So I want them to win the series. I think either way, there should be buyers no matter what. I, I, even if you lose a couple of these series, this is a team that has three All-Stars in their starting lineup and a team that obviously went to Game 7 last year, the NLCS. And so I, I, don't th- I think this is win-now mode, even if you, say, are, what, three, four games back, which even in this stretch, I don't think you're going to be more than that no. unless you, you know, lose seven in a row or something like that. So if you're, say, three, four, or five games back even, I, I think you're still buyers at the deadline. I think you give up some prospects for, for a good either relief pitcher, starting pitcher, and um, that's what I'm looking for at the trade deadline. But also, this team needs to count on the people that they have. Like you can't you can't just count on one guy if they trade for you know a number two starter uh, or even a number one. You can't rely on just that. That guy's going to pitch every five days. You need to have Chasin pitch how he did last year. You need to have some of the relief pitchers come through better and improve. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. Peralta's going to stay in the pen. You need some of your guys to also be that trade deadline acquisition and not just rely on stuff you know coming from other organizations. Are you buying what we have seen recently from Jesus Aguilar? Do you think he's going to be a different player in the second half? He's been a guy who's been you know really good in either the first half or the second half of seasons. Sure, and I don't know what that's about. You know, right? So. He was the guy who had a really good first half, went to the All-Star game last year, then really tailed off in the second half. So I, I'm i buying it. I, I do think that he's going to be he, – we know we know what's in him. And so if he struggled for this long, I don't think he's going to struggle for an all, whole another half a year. And he's playing really, really well since like mid-June. So I, that would be huge if this lineup can get also Jesus Aguilar going along with what you already have in the All-Stars there and – and uh, also, Lorenzo Cain is an interesting guy who's been not all that great as last year on the hitting side. Obviously, he's fielding fantastic, but hopefully he can get through this thumb injury and also also contribute. But the biggest thing I'm looking for, Hunter Baumgart uh, joining us for a minute on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. The thing I'm looking for, I, I had a couple of, of things I want to see from the Brewers. I believe we talked about it yesterday. A couple of things I want to see, and Lorenzo Cain was one of those bullet points. I don't need to see him start hitting home runs. I don't need to see him start racking up RBIs. What I need to see from Lorenzo Cain is to get healthy and to get on base. I think that's something they've lacked at the top of the lineup so far is that they've moved Yasmani Grandal, who loves to take walks. They've put him at leadoff, and that was working well in a pinch. I don't think that's the long-term solution for this team. Lorenzo Cain needs to get on base. Would you agree? I completely agree. I mean, when you have guys like Moustakis and Yelich and Grandal to follow those guys up, three, you know, three all-stars following came up in the leadoff spot, you need to get on base for those guys because they're going to produce as they've shown through this first half. And Lorenzo Cain is a guy that can completely get on base, and I completely trust that he can turn it around um, as long as his injury doesn't hamper him, I guess. But, yeah, it's, it's, you don't need power from Cain. You, you've got power in the back in yeah. the rest of your lineup. You, the Brewers hit a ton of home runs. They, they don't need more power from the leadoff spot. They need consistent either walks or just getting on base, singles, doubles, things like that to get on base for those guys like Yelich and Moustakis. The, the trade deadline coming up in late July. The Brewers, I mean, you could make an argument that they could trade for a player just about anywhere. I, I don't think they really need a bat, yeah. but, I mean, you can always ha- you can always have one, right? They could use a reliever. They could use a starter. Hunter, as we approach the trade deadline, and this is the last thing I'll ask you. I don't want to keep you. Sure. Is there one player or prospect that you would absolutely not trade? Or, or more than one? 
Um, yeah, I, I still don't think you trade Keston here. I think he hasn't been given up you know, enough of a chance in the majors to say, you know, he's not going to be as good as advertised. I think he's had a pretty short stint. Um, and I'd love to see what he can do. And at, at a position where we don't, you know, have a lot of, a lot of depth at the moment, obviously you have Dubon and, and Terang in the minors, but you, or I guess Dubon still in the majors, but you have those guys maybe at the shortstop position where you can maybe play around with, with sitting RC a little more, but you don't have that depth at second base. No. So I think Keston here is your, your guy for the next, foreseeable future so i i wouldn't trade him otherwise not so much i would give away some of your best prospects if you need to to go for it i mean this is this is the time you have um yelich on the contract that he's on you have moustakis for this year you have grandal for this year who's really producing a step up from pina obviously you know all-star this year i think this is a time to go for it and if the pitching can hold up I think that's. I think you give up a couple of prospects for a pitcher, and um, you know maybe a bat. You know we all wanted pitching last year as well. Yeah. You know maybe some hitting, but then all of a sudden you know we got Mustakis and he produced, and then got scope, and we all know what happened with that. But <laughs> you know we got we got some we got some bats in the lineup as well, and that didn't hurt. But I'm really focused on pitching, and I give up some good prospects for it. Yeah, I think your your window to win is right now, Hunter. I agree. So thanks yeah. for joining us for a couple of minutes. You're going to be hosting next week, so you get to to break down this giant series uh, and then a couple of other series before things really start to get serious. You have a run of games with the Cubs. You have the trade deadline, so it's a busy time of year. Uh, glad to have you in next week, Hunter, and have a good weekend. Yes, have a great trip, and uh, looking forward to next week. Lots of Brewers talk and uh, see what else is going on. Maybe some more NBA news. It's just filled with NBA news so far this month. You never know. It'll keep going. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more and more news. It feels never-ending. Hunter, thanks for talking with us. Yep, no problem. Have a good week next week. (laughs) You too. That's Hunter Baumgart, uh, and he's going to be hosting the Wisco Sports Show next week. Uh, here on WKTY as I get a, get a little bit of a vacation in the Brewers. Back in action tonight, the lineup, Kane, Yelich, Grandal, Moustakis, Braun, Thames, Hira, Arcia, Anderson. I was looking at that lineup earlier on in the show, and it didn't jump out to me that Thames playing first base. You know, all the talk over the All-Star break is Jesus Aguilar's getting going. Jesus Aguilar's getting going. He, he's getting hot. He, he's going to hit better in the second half. And then you come out of the All-Star break, and what do you do? We start Eric Thames. All right. Must be a matchup thing, I guess. I'm excited to see what Aguilar is able to do, what this whole team is able to do out of the All-Star break. Hunter Baumgart in on Monday to talk about it. Have an excellent weekend. Can't wait to be back soon. Oh.